so much of positive psychology comes from learning about individuals who might have experienced a trauma, who might need to uh, actually grow out of that trauma. And one of the things that I think with what has happened with the pandemic is globally to different degrees, we have collectively experienced an aspect of, you could say trauma, you could say change or loss. Hello and welcome to episode 56 of The Future of Work, the podcast that looks at every aspect of work in the future and it's brought to you by Wonder and Pattern. I'm here with the CEO of Wonder and Pattern, Claire Haydar. Claire, what's the weather like in America? Hey Doug, that's a bit of a, a controversial question right now because the poor East Coast is under a snowstorm, a major one, and I'm sitting here in sunny Dallas. So let's not spend too much time on that one. <laughs> I've got uh, 42 degrees at Celsius in uh, in Cape Town and it is, I don't even know what that is in Fahrenheit. It must be about 120 or something. Anyway, let's move swiftly on. Um, we've just had an amazing conversation with Nikki Garcia. She's the co-founder and uh, chief customer officer at Capfinity. Um, she's an industrial psychologist. Tell me briefly what we've been talking about and, and learning from Nikki. Doug, like you said, it was it was genuinely one of those highlight conversations that you and I have had um, on the podcast. What what makes Capfinity stand out um, is their focus on strength-based recruitment solutions for their customers. So they come from the School of Positive Psychology, which is all about asking not what is wrong with the human condition, but what is right with the human condition and, and looking at humans through the lens of strength. So what are people exceptional at? How can we take those skills and talents of theirs and put that to work in a really positive way? that underpinned the whole conversation. And naturally we went down a few very specific rabbit holes, which we'll get into, but that was the overarching thing. And I think so relevant to what every single company on the planet is navigating right now, given the times that we're living in. It was an exceptional hour that we spent together. So let's hear, let's kick things off and hear what Nikki has to say. Nikki, we're gonna dive straight in. You're an impressive human, which is why I asked to get you onto our podcast as a guest. You're an industrial psychologist. You're head of Americas for a very large, well-renowned organization and very much a thought leader in the area of recruitment and building strong teams. And as I'm sure you're very well aware right now, this is a hot topic in organizations because of what we're navigating. And so I really, it's just, it's an honor to have you here. So Let's start by going back to basics. I want us to to start the whole conversation by actually just giving a basic broad definition of what positive psychology is, because it's such a huge part of your work. And I think by grounding everybody in that, it's a good way to start the conversation. So can you lead us down that train of thought? Well, thank you. And you've demonstrated your own bit of positive psychology by referring to me as an impressive human being, which will be a first. So thank you for that. It means I can access all my positive thoughts because you've, you've allowed me to do that. At its simplest level, positive psychology is about not focusing on what is wrong. And for many years across all aspects of psychology, Psychologists were famous and were published for their focus on deficit, 
on depression, on helplessness, on fundamentally what was wrong with people, organisations, educational systems. And it was a gentleman, Martin Seligman, at the end of 1990, that started to really ask the questions, well, what's right with people? And that brought together a whole movement of which I was delighted to learn about and apply in my own work. But it it fundamentally created a big, big shift in psychology, which continues today. I can um, distinctly remember, Nikki, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I'm also an industrial psychologist by background. You know, it was my major at university. And I can distinctly remember the day in class when the lecturer turned up and introduced us to positive psychology. I literally had like an outburst in the class and I was like, finally, finally, (laughs) somebody is looking at the flip side of the coin and asking what's right with the human condition and what's not wrong. And it was, it was a very big turning point for me in my degree as well, for the exact same reasons that you've just laid out. So can you lay out for us what are the core principles of positive psychology? And I know, I mean, there's many, so I don't expect you to go into detail, but just at a broad level, if you can lay some of those out for us and share with us why they can be so impactful to companies right now in this present moment. I think, first of all, with what is happening with the current situation, I think positive psychology probably has a place in society and in work in a way like never before. I was using positive psychology, practicing with strengths within Capfinity just after the financial crisis of kind of 2007, 2008 and into into 2009. And it absolutely had applications then, but not as profound as what we're all have been experiencing in recent years. One of the things that's fundamental in the principles of positive psychology is the PERMA model. And actually, this PERMA model, again, originates from Martin Seligman's work, but arguably brings in the work of many great psychologists like Barbara Fredrickson and Ed Dina. It really gives a framework for the application of positive psychology, which I think people can possibly take at an organizational level like I do in in workplace psychology, but also at an individual level. So just to kind of spell the five areas out. The first area is the P, is positive emotion. And this is about cultivating joy, mindfulness, optimism, gratitude. And this is very much where the work of Barbara Fredrickson comes in and you can really focus on how can we create positive emotion in our work and also in our individual lives. And I'll, I'll pull on some of these examples as I go through. The E is for engagement, and that's about feeling engaged in the world around us, which I think has really been challenged at these times. But it's also about working on your inner strength. And strength is something that's very important to our work at Catvinity and the work that I do. The third area, R, is relationships and establishing and fostering good quality relationships in all that you do. The fourth M is meaning and possibly this area underpins so much of what's going on with the great realignment and resignation that we see globally at the moment because this is about finding purpose and meaning. And then the the fifth area is about accomplishment. 
And Martin Seligman, when he first started out kind of grouping pillars to help with positive psychology, back then he published a book, Authentic Happiness. Actually, accomplishment was an area he went back to and put in the PERMA model because what he acknowledged in his research was that actually we really feel kind of at our best and organizations work at their best when there is that sense of having goals, having an ambition, striving towards something. And this is often where kind of the resilience aspect comes in. One of the things that I often think about with this PERMA model is that there have been so many applications of it. Probably one of the most well-referenced was with the US military service. And he used the PERMA model to identify people that might be at significant risk of having suicidal thoughts, of, of experiencing difficulty. And they were able to put in positive interventions related to this model that actually reduced suicide rates, reduced the impact of the negative well-being that, that service men and women were experiencing. So much of positive psychology comes from learning about individuals who might have experienced a trauma, who might need to uh, actually grow out of that trauma. And one of the things that I think with what has happened with the pandemic is globally to different degrees, we have collectively experienced an aspect of, you could say trauma, you could say change or loss. And the PERMA model right now, even if you just took kind of one aspect of it, would probably benefit us at an individual, a societal level, an organisational level. And maybe too early on, but I think it was June 2021, Seligman ran a seminar where he talked about using the PERMA model to recover out of the pandemic. And I think that's when we were probably all feeling very optimistic and that actually we would move into better times. But actually, I think that PERMA model can be so strong when applied to recovery with what we have all been experiencing and continue to experience. Nikki, I'm going to jump in and say for the first time, hi, good evening, nice to meet you. <laughs> hi. Uh, I am not an industrial psychologist, but I can chirp in. In a previous life, I was a sports coach. And one of the things that was very interesting for me was mental strength and sports psychology. And it was also around the late 80s and early 90s where that really came to the fore in, you know, as sport got more professional. What came first, the, the, the sports side, the industrial side? Because I think with sport, it was very much a case of it was always you were looking at the positive and ways to look at the positive more so than the negative side. Yeah, and I think this is a really interesting piece of positive psychology, Doug, that it has brought so many strands of good practice from other disciplines under one heading. And I think sports psychology, if you think of all the applications of uh, kind of emotional intelligence that happened in the sports psychology field, arguably way before it hit the industrial field, probably aspects of sports psychology and positive training, I would imagine came from sports before it hit the, the industrial setting. I think we often look to good coaches, good sports training, and borrow it into organizations. And it often resonates because, you know, people believe and they can see what good teams are made of. Just to put a curveball in, on top of, I think, what we saw within sports psychology, 
there's aspects of religious psychology that fit within positive psychology. So one of the many kind of parts of positive psychology is the idea of having rituals. Rituals clearly do not need to be religious, but many people who practice a religion will find the benefit of the ritual having uh, well-being aspects to it. So I do very much feel with positive psychology that it has grouped a lot of strong practice, all with this focus on let's not focus on the deficit. Let's not focus on how badly you play cricket or how badly you play soccer. But let's look at how you can be the best in the world at the skills you have in relation to that particular sport. And I think that's what then manifested into industrial psychology. Before we move forward into another section of the podcast, I'd like to just talk about the employee and the employer relationship. You could say it's a dance almost, each trying to give and take, trying to be their best and turn up and perform. But the relationship often does break down, obviously, for various reasons. How can employees apply the aspects of positive psychology to enhance their own employment experience? There's a couple of areas of the PERMA model, which I think are both applicable to, say, the the manager, but also the employee. And one of those areas is in relation to individual strength. So this would fit under the E of the PERMA model. What we know from both our our work and my work at Catfinity, but well-documented work from the Gallup organisation and others, is that when employees are able to work using their strengths every day, their engagement will increase. And one of the things that is clear with a, with strengths is that in the same way psychology didn't necessarily focus on what was working for people, at an individual level, we find it quite hard to focus on actually what are we strongest at and how can we focus on the things that we can do within ourselves, not comparing ourselves to anyone else, but to be that best self. It is often the case, if I asked you both now to write down a list of things that you weren't good at, and then I asked you to write down a list of things that you are good at, that list, not to to upset you both, but the list that you're not good at is probably going to come to you quicker because our brains are hardwired to focus on the negative. It's got that evolutionary benefit of fight or flight. But as individuals, if we can focus on our strengths and label them and have a vocabulary to discuss them, then we're able to to apply them to the A of the PERMA model and think about how might I use my strengths to work on a goal or a project or a New Year's resolution or an ambition And I can do that on my own. I can do that even absent having a good or bad manager. I can understand what I'm truly good at and apply it to work and outside of work. And that's within my gift to do. So what we found um, in our research at Catfinity is there is undoubtedly hundreds of things organizations can do to harness positive psychology and strengths. But what's the smallest thing? an individual can do to make the biggest difference, it would be to genuinely understand what their own individual strengths are and then put them to work, particularly those things that perhaps they don't draw on at work currently as much as they would like to. So very much focusing on 
strengths aligned to goals, accomplishments, things that you want to achieve, but you can be completely personally responsible for doing that today. Nikki, as you were talking there with Doug in response to that question, I actually literally went back into a Google Drive folder from 2017 and I pulled up my Gallup Strengths Finder report. And yeah, I, th- I think it will be good, you know, to mention because you actually called out the the Gallup work there. I think they it's it's a really really solid body of work that that Gallup has done there, and definitely something worthwhile for individuals to look at. You know, Strengths Finder 2.0 and the actual questionnaire that they take you through. Because I remember one of the things that was most useful. The reason why I actually took myself through that exercise at that point in time was. I was transitioning between one startup that I had started and I was busy evaluating a few different opportunities that were on the table. It it was a phase in my life where I was like, you know, I didn't really know which, which route to take because there were pros and cons to all of the routes that, you know, I had in front of me. And I went back to the drawing board by actually going through this exercise and I took you know, what the test shared with me at the end of the day, what my results were. And I chose my next opportunity based on my strengths. And what I loved about it, which is why I actually went and pulled it up when you mentioned it, was they actually have very specific ideas for action. You know, so under each of the strengths that they identify for you, they actually have a section called ideas for action. Definitely something worthwhile for individuals, you know, to take themselves through and also as a tool for managers to take their teams through. And that's the first part of our conversation with self-named career geek, Nikki Garcia. Make sure you catch the next two parts of this interesting look into positive psychology on Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts, or on Wonder's website, wndyr.com. From Claire and myself, we'll see you soon.